0: Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films every Friday morning from 9 to 10 AM Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Caspar. Take a trip and break out of your shell with Barb and Star from the gals who brought you Bridesmaid, co-stars and co-writers. Kristen Wiig and Annie Mumolo, comes Barb and Star go to Vista Del Mar. Lifelong friends, Barb and Star embark on the adventure of a lifetime when they decide to leave their small Midwestern town of Soft Rock, Nebraska for the the first time ever. And that's when the hijinks and the fun begins. This is a wonderfully funny film. And it's got some nice, it's got a heart to it. You know, you really grow to really like them, like their characters. And I, I just really had a great time with the film. Again, the film is called Barb and Star. Go to Vista Del Mar. And we're joined today by the director, Josh Greenbaum. Josh, welcome to Film School Radio.
1: Thanks, Mike. Thank you for having me.
0: I want to let people know, before we get too far into it, that it is available now. You can literally, while you're listening to this interview, you can go turn it on. It's on a lot of platforms, Prime Video, uh, Apple TV, in uh, Infinity. Fandango, you name it. It's there. It's available to be screened and enjoyed. Uh, Josh, where'd you come into the project? How did you get involved?
1: I, I came in a few years ago. As, as your listeners probably know, a lot of films take a long time. This one, uh, the gestational period of films can be quite quite a, a long time. This one was is probably about four, five years in the making from when Chris and Annie first started writing it. I came in about four years ago, three and a half, four years ago, the short version is I had a screening of a film of mine called Becoming Bomb. So I often, I've made three featured documentaries. I kind of work in both narrative and documentary and I had a screening of that film and I didn't know it at the time, but our producer of Barb and Star, Jessica Elbaum, was there and she brought Kristen Wiig. And after the screening, we wrapped up and Kristen Wiig walked up to me and said, oh my God, I love your movie. We should work together. Like, let's, let's have lunch which, you know, for me, being such a massive fan of hers was this sort of like knee-buckling moment, like, is this really happening? And and I, uh, you know, to be totally honest, I didn't really think it was real. I kind of thought, well, maybe that's what people say, you know, in Hollywood, just like, let's have lunch. And that, was the that was the end of it. And, but really a few days later, you know, I got a call through my agent. We set it up and through Jessica, our producer, and I had lunch with Kristen. And that's when she first told me about this movie and she pitched me Barb and Stargo to Vista Del Mar. She'd already written it with Annie and she pitched me this movie over like a two and a half hour lunch which as you can imagine Mike was like the greatest lunch I've ever had because you've got Kristen Wiig acting out all the parts telling you the whole story and it's uh, hilarious and crazy and, and you know when you see the film you'll see just how crazy the movie is and so that was the start of it. I, I said to her look the script is as fun and engaging and crazy as what you just pitched me. I'm a hundred percent in and, and it was, she sent me the script and I read it and it was, it's really funny and out there. And, and as you said, also sweet and and at the center are these two great characters and their friendship.
0: And they really love each other. And that comes across yeah. And the, the kind of the, the, the stumbles that their friendship kind of goes through. It's great. It's really, that really is for me, what pulls you in. What I really like about this film you're all in on a look and on a vibe, on a feel. I mean, there's no turning back. I I appreciate the fact that it just plays well with this backdrop of very bright, what what we call the pastel. What would, how do we describe the look of this film?
1: Yeah, I think you've got it. You've you've hit a lot of the keywords we talked about. So it's very bright. It's, you know, it really was always, my intention was always to give our audience the vacation that we all, you know, (laughs) desperately need. And so that was just, you know, from location scouting where we found these beautiful, you know, beaches uh, on the coast of Mexico, where we we wound up filming with this aquamarine water and the white sand beaches. And then, you know, we brought in our production designer, Steve Sacklett, who's this incredibly talented production designer, who's done really colorful, wonderful movies like The Muppets, which I always loved kind of that aesthetic of really colorful and really committed, like you said, but he also knows how to do incredibly grounded work, like he did Juno and and things like that. So we talked a lot about when when Barb and Star are starting off in Soft Rock, Nebraska, as you pointed out, their hometown. Um, For those listening, if you ever want a fun like behind the scenes joke, when they're walking through town, you can actually see signs for the Soft Rock, Soft Rock Festival, um, which I really enjoyed, but it's a very subtle joke. You've really gotta be paying attention. Uh, it's a fictional town, obviously, as is Vista Del Mar. But yeah, so when they we started, we wanted it to be kind of like they're living a kind of monochromatic existence, you know, and their, their lives are lacking some color, both literally and figuratively. And as they travel to Vista Del Mar, that color just starts to open up and pop. And it's, as as you said, it's a very committed look. It's, you know, it's, it's really, you know, I've heard it described as, uh, you know, Starburst and Skittles and... Uh, <laughs> You know, very sweet and colorful and and fun, but yeah, pastels, um, well, leaning into some of the colors you associate, I think, with vacation and with Florida.
0: Yeah, well, for people who are who remember this or even heard of it, the film *Pink Flamingos* comes to mind, as well as a little bit of Pee-wee Herman for me. I just mm-hmm. I felt like there was that that sort of a vibe to it, in in the sense that Pee-wee's was a kind of a chaotic version of of these of this sort of. Sensibility, if you will. Very, that's right. Yeah,
1: yeah, that's absolutely right. And I think Peewee is 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 a great. Um, I actually I will admit I don't know Pink Flamingos, so and I'm going to watch that after this interview. But um, but Wee is a, is a great analogy, and you know, a little bit the way I often described it with my my crew and my team was like we're going to take reality, but then do one or two clicks past it into kind of a a, a hyper real world. Not five or ten clicks. It's not so far over that right. we've gone. You know, we've fallen off the rails, but it's definitely it's heightened as you'll feel when you watch the film
0: yeah well and let's talk about the the stars of the film um I mean Jamie Dornan is terrific as he's he's that guy that you need in a film like this the kind of the, the guy who he's funny but in a very understated way and he's funny in relation to what the circumstances he finds himself in whereas Kristen Wiig and Annie Mumolo are just, they're just the personification of this kind of humor that, that brings, and I love the way we start out in Soft Rock with their little sewing circle of women talking about, uh, and I love Vanessa um, Bayer. Vanessa Bayer, yeah. She is awesome, and I, I loved her, she was just in Wander Darkly, which I loved, I love that film, and I thought she was just briefly in it, but whenever I see her, she was in Trainwreck. I just think she is terrific. Absolutely wonderful. Yeah. So I'm glad she's in it and I'm glad there's a lot of other people who are, I will not probably get around to mentioning all of them, but. Uh, well,
1: some of them are, yeah. And some were certainly are, we, there's quite a few kind of surprise cameos that were always, you know, I, I like to try to keep them surprises because part of the joy of the film is the, you know, it keeps making these crazy left turns, I think when you're not expecting it, but we yeah. got incredibly lucky with our cast. I mean, as you can imagine, Kristen and Annie, They met 20 years ago and have been friends forever. They met in the Groundlings, which is a comedy troupe out here in Los Angeles. And so they have this incredible shorthand with one another and just immediately become these characters and are very funny. um, And, you know, and their friendship is there. As you said, there's just a history there. And I think Barb and Star are, as they would put it, very heightened versions of themselves, you know, maybe in the future and with much fluffier hair. Uh, and a fondness for culottes, I'm not sure Kristen and Annie are wearing culottes as much as they should be, yeah. or as much as Barb and Star do. But yeah, and and you know, you touched on some of the other cast. We were so lucky with Jamie Dornan. I mean, you know, your listeners may know him obviously from his dramatic work, like from The Fall, where he's a very scary serial killer, <laughs> yeah. um, or of course the Fifty Shades series and and beyond with a character like Edgar, who he plays, who's this sort of lovelorn accomplice to the to the villain of our movie, uh, whose name is Sharon Gordon Fisherman, who I maybe won't give away who plays her because it's kind of a fun surprise. Yes, but Jamie just really committed, and he's and that's the trick. That's the secret. when if you commit to the drama of your character, the circumstances around it make it really funny. And I think that, you know, but that's still tons of kudos to him because that's a scary thing to do. I mean, to be this is his first comedy. And it's a big loud one. And I think the fear, as I'm sure he's he could tell you, is like, I don't want to be the one who isn't working. Like I'm the, the you know, the square peg of the round hole and everything else is working great, and all of a sudden, and, and that's that's not the case at all. He's so committed, as you'll see in several throughout the film, but there's one two and a half minute sequence where you really see him commit, <laughs> uh both musically and physically. So yeah,
0: yeah. And for people, I mean, I can't imagine, you know anyone who hasn't seen bridesmaids yet but uh annie's role in bridesmaids is a brief but very memorable part of the film which and you know i could you can see the chemistry in just the limited amount of time that they were on screen together in bridesmaids and you can see how quickly kristen is such an intuitive uh actor she feels like that to me i loved yeah. her and welcome to me i love that yeah
1: song. so did i and then and then I. She's great in everything she does yeah
0: i know uh whip it i thought she was wonderful and whip and she's but i what the reason i'm bringing up those two films is she had to show some range in in those in those roles and she's shown range throughout her career but i just think she has that she has that ability to be silly but vulnerable at the same time uh and really be vulnerable i mean she really is an open book in terms of her characters they usually are yeah
1: yeah, absolutely. I mean, they're as you said. You saw the chemistry briefly in Bridesmaids. You know, they wrote that film together. If you you may not remember, but the main character Kristen's name in that movie is Annie. Um, so that was a little obviously homage to Annie Mumolo, who she co-wrote it. And yeah, we have a, we have a we have an airplane scene as well. Very it's, a, it's it's very different than the one uh, in Bridesmaids, but equally I, I hope equally funny because they're both very funny big scenes. Um, but yeah, they're. They're both incredible. And Kristen really is. She's just it's a difficult thing to do sometimes, these very kind of big, loud, silly characters, and yet have them feel grounded and have them feel emotionally vulnerable, as you said, and accessible and relatable. Um and you saw it, even you know, even on all of her kind of SNL characters, every time she's playing something, there's there's still a one of her feet is somehow still on the ground, even when she's playing the craziest character. And I think that's such a testament her t- to her talent as an actress how lucky was i to get to work with th- these two as my first feature film it was yeah. just felt incredible and of course they wrote it as well so which was just a joy
0: well, yeah and we're speaking with josh greenbaum he's the director of this wonderful new comedy film out now you can see it on almost any platform you can imagine barb and star go to vista del mar and going back to the reference to uh Kristen wigg on saturday night live you know that that show she's able to pr- play truly crazy, truly. I mean, I, I, I welcome to me. I mean, she's completely off the rails in that film, and yet you still root for her. You still want her to do well. And I—that's one of the things about Saturday Night Live. They have a tradition of having women on who had that ability. I think of Sherry yeah. O'Terry. I think of some of the Kate yeah. and how how they were able, but to still be relatable and someone you I. You grew to love. You grew to love. Their yes, right.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So. Absolutely, and I think you're. It's a great point, like pointing out the wonderful tradition of incredibly talented women on that show, like you said, Sherry, and all the way back to Gilda Radner, and yeah. um, and and it, but but your I think your point is is exactly right that she with all of her characters, there's an earnestness and a vulnerability that makes you love them. You know, you love all of Kristen's characters. And and I think you see that here with with her playing star. And similarly, what, such a fun turn for, I think a lot of people, you know, many people know Any Mamalo, but I think a lot of people will feel as though they're discovering her and, and are discovering her in this film. And she is just a total talent. And similarly, the same kind of thing. She's playing a very funny character, but it's so grounded. And you love her and you love her relationship with Star. And they're just an incredible duo.
0: It's one thing to be in one scene with Kristen Wiig in Bridesmaid and pull it off. She's really good in this film. I don't mean in any way to to overlook her her role in this. She holds her own for an entire film with Kristen Wiig. And that's that's an accomplishment. I mean, that really is something. It is. Yeah,
1: and I, I'm excited, like I said, for your you know, it's always that when you get to discover someone new. I mean, the example obviously in, in their film Bridesmaids was we all got to discover Melissa McCarthy. Now, those in the in the comedy scene knew Melissa for a long time and she had been around and she was, you know, in the groundlings with, with Kristen and Annie. And but it's that that kind of fun, undiscovered talent is is part of the joy of watching films. And I I, I hope and think a lot of people have the same experience with Annie on this film.
0: Yeah, well, I'm I'm I fear I'm going to run out of time with you. So I just want to let people once again know the film is called Barb and Star Go to Visto Del Mar. We're speaking with the director Josh Greenbaum and your body of work. I mean, you're, you do a lot of television. You've done the, the New Girl. You've done a number of other films. I meant I want to mention Too Funny to Fail, which uh, documents one of the most tragic and funny short lived. TV shows in the history of the of the of the medium, which was uh, the Dana Carvey show, and it launched the careers of Steve Carell, Stephen Colbert, Louis C.K., Charlie Kaufman. And let's not forget Robert Smigel. Some of the other luminaries who were part of the show. Dana Carvey is he's a, he's amazing. Speaking of Saturday Night Live, here's another guy who continues to sort of reinvent himself and be funny every single time out when he does it. So yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, well, thank you for that. Yeah, he's he's a joy and. Uh, I I think I'm somehow carving a career out where I get to meet and work with my heroes, because he's another one. And, and, uh, and he's, you know, as, as our Chris Nanny, he's the lovely man, and he's got his own podcast now and plugging his podcast, but, (laughs) but he's fantastic. And yeah, that thanks for for pointing out that, that some of my other films.
0: Oh, uh, you know, you're welcome. I mean, yeah, you mentioned uh, Becoming Bond as well. The Short Game is another one. And by the way, just one last question. In terms of your yeah. your background in documentary work, how does that translate into a narrative setting for you? What what are what are the things you sort of bring to um, a shoot when you're going from that very unsettled, un, not knowing where something is going in a documentary necessarily, to something like this is very scripted? What, what is the... Yeah,
1: it's a great question. Um, probably deserves a longer answer, but the 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 sort of shorter version is, um, I think, well, first of all, I, I do have a background in narrative and then I wound up getting into documentary, So they kind of speak to one another. I, I think part of what is so big in feature documentary is really you're, you're thinking about character and story and pacing and all the same things you're doing in a narrative. You're just doing it after the fact, doing it, it while you're filming and after you've filmed and then shaping it in the edit. But I think part of what I love bouncing between the two mediums is, you know, I, I like when you're on, on a, a film set, there is the version where you just, okay, here's our script, let's shoot it as is and get it done and check that off and move on to the next scene. And I think that can create sort of stale filmmaking. You're doing the opposite in documentary. You don't really know, what you're, you know what, what's gonna happen and you wanna create scenarios where interesting things can happen um, and, and why you're there filming. So similarly on a narrative film set, uh, and it works very well for comedy. I like to open things up and say, "Hey, are there any other ideas? let's let's you know, let's do a take where we're uh, certainly improv is is a tried and true tradition, but it's also like, let this be a living, breathing thing. If we have we have a new idea in the moment, let's figure out how to capture that. And yes, that can create problems with production schedules and budgets and all those things. But I think you have to let yourself be open to that because that's when films become, uh, li- living, breathing things and, and it makes them exciting, it makes them artistic and more creative and as an audience member I think you can feel that
0: As an experienced filmmaker you understand, you sort of pick and choose your spots, you're not going to do that all the time That's but right. there, are, there are certain scenes where you really feel like you need this energy a particular kind of whatever it is you're looking for and it sure That's why a, not? Yeah. you're working with That's you know, exactly right. you're, you're working with the Babe Ruth and Lou Gehrig and Willie Mays of, of improv you might yeah. as well let him take a shot at it, right?
1: That's exactly right. And, you know, one thing I've pointed out on this film, which is, it, I think it probably will surprise some of your listeners is that, it surprisingly it's actually less improv heavy than I think most films, but there's a reason behind that. And that is the two characters, Barb and Star, who are played by Chris and Annie, who wrote the film, we did do kind of all that improv prior and That's that then gets put into the script. Now it doesn't mean that we don't open it up and particularly, like you said, they're so talented at it, but we also have other, you know, actors in, in like Vanessa Bayer, who you mentioned, Fortune Femster and, and Michael Hitchcock and these, these powerhouses of improv. So you always, you know, when you can open it up. But surprisingly, I think, you know, people are probably used to the wonderful sort of Judd Apatow method of a lot of improv and also a lot of written pre-written alt jokes, which are when you come to set with, okay, here's one joke, but let's try 10 others in this one spot. We didn't do as much of that because of the fact that we had done a lot of that work prior and really had settled on these are the jokes we like. So
0: Yeah. Well, I hope you continue to pursue whatever either documentary film or narrative or comedy or drama. And I hope you find some time to come back and join us again. Thoroughly enjoyed the film. Had a great time with it.
1: Thanks, Mike. Yeah, thank you so much. Maybe we'll be chatting next on uh, hopefully the next Barb and Star. Maybe they'll go to Mars or something. Something that rhymes with their name.
0: (laughs) Well, the film again is called Barb and Star Go to Vista Del Mar. I love that part. I do like the rhyme. And we've been talking with the director of that film, and that would be Josh Greenbaum. Thank you so very much.
1: Thanks, Mike, for having me. Really enjoyed it.
0: Thank you. Thank you, Josh. And hey, Josh, I, I'm a comedy freak. I c- I swear to God, I, I can tell six I can tell hours, got, of, you know, yeah, yeah. just nothing, <laughs> you know, I could go on. And I was, I had to kind of edit myself when I started to talk about Saturday Night, oh, Night Live and all that.
1: <laughs> no, no, you did a great job. I can tell. It's like you have kindred spirit. I'm like, oh, he knows this stuff here. This is his world, your wheelhouse.
0: This is so, my wheelhouse. All right. Thank yeah. you. Thank you, Amy. I, and I'll clean up.